It's good to see you all today. If you are new or visiting, just to catch you up, we are going through the narrative lectionary, which is just a sequence of scripture readings that takes us through the entire story of the Bible so that we can learn how God has been acting in our world and then how we are called to participate in that story. So last week we were in Exodus um, with the, no, we weren't, we were, yes, we were in Exodus, that's right, yes, okay, baby brain, it's taking everything I don't have written, I have to be careful because it just goes, but uh, we were in Exodus in the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, this week we jump all the way to the end of the book of Joshua, and if you have been reading along in your daily readings, um, you got a little bit of snippet of Joshua, this week we are in chapter 24, which contains a very famous verse that I'm guessing some of you might be familiar with. The verse is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Has anyone heard that before? Anyone? Yes, just a couple of you. Anyone have home decor with that on there? A few of you. Okay, we have a really crafty congregation. Anyone ever like made doilies or blankets with that written on it? Oh, I was hoping. I know you, you all are very crafty, so um, I was just guessing that some of you had done that. But what it, whatever, um, whatever your experience is with this verse, Joshua 24, 15, it is a verse worth knowing. It is a popular verse in Christian circles for good reason. It's a, wor- a verse worth memorizing, taking to heart, remembering whatever way you can. Because these are powerful words, my friends. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These are powerful words. But in order to fully grasp the power of these words, and to not let them become just a Christian cliche hanging on our walls that we look at but stops carrying meaning for us, In order to grasp their power, it's important to understand their context, both in the biblical story and in our own personal stories. Because, brothers and sisters, in understanding the context of these words, we come to see that our willingness to follow them or to not follow them, therein lies a choice between life or death, peace or adversity. This is what Moses had told the Israelites before his death, and this is what Joshua in chapter 24 is telling the Israelites again, right before his own death. Our willingness to follow these words or not is a life-altering decision with widespread rippling effects. It's an important choice. But this choice, the choice to serve the Lord, it doesn't come out of nowhere, and it doesn't come without good reasoning, and that's what we're going to see in Joshua 24. We see that before God ever invites us to serve him, God first proves his love to us. This is so important to grasp before we go any further. We don't serve God to earn God's love, to earn God's favor as if we could, Rather, we serve God in response to God's faithfulness to us. We serve God because God has first shown us 
that he has our best interest in mind. That God can be trusted. That God, indeed, is the only one who is worth entrusting our lives to. That's what we have modeled for us in Joshua 24. It's a model of Joshua and of all of Israel remembering God's love and faithfulness. And then, then after this remembering, then responding by devoting their lives to the Lord. And this model sets for us an example for how God also invites us to follow that order. Remember and respond. Remember God's faithfulness. Respond in devotion. Remember and respond. That's what we're going to unpack this morning. But of course, we need to hear Joshua 24 for ourselves. I wanted to first give you this background because you're going to notice that our scripture text for today is a little bit lengthy. You'll notice before we ever get to that beloved verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are 13 packed verses recording detail after detail after detail of God's acts on behalf of Israel. Some of us, if you are not a history fan, you might be prone to just say, let's skip over that stuff. Let's skip over verses 1 to 13. Come on, get to the part about what I'm supposed to do. But folks, we can't do that. Not in the biblical story, not in our stories, because first God invites us to remember his goodness to us. It is only then when we grasp God's goodness to us that we can fully respond with a commitment to the Lord. So hear now the word of the Lord from Joshua 24, with ears open to recall anew God's faithfulness. Hear God's word. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and led him through the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in its midst. And afterwards I brought you out. When I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your ancestors with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come up upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. After you lived in the wilderness, afterwards you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I handed them over to you. And you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then King Balak, son of Zippor of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. 
He sent and invited Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you. So I rescued you out of his hand. When you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I handed them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove out before you the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I give you a land on which you have not labored and towns that you had not built, and you live in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards that you did not plant. Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is the word of the Lord. Did you hear God's faithfulness? For 12 long, detailed verses, it's God speaking. I, 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 followed by verb after verb. I took your father Abraham and led him. I gave him Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, I sent Moses, I plagued Egypt, and on and on and on. Here the Lord is urging the Israelites to remember, look at all that I have done for you. You did not do this yourself. It is I who have been acting on your behalf It is I who have your best interest in mind. Look at what I've done for you. Can't you see that I love you? That I care about you? So trust me. Trust me. When I hear this recalling of Israel's story, I can't help but think of a teenager we have a couple teenagers in our, our midst. Some of you have teenagers at home. Guessing most of you who are older who have been through the teenage stage. I'm just guessing. That's how life cycle goes. That's the stage that Israel is in right now. They're in a, a teenager type phase. So, so think about it. Israel, they, at first they were born. Born through the waters of the Red Sea into freedom. Like a baby born into a bright new world out of Egypt into this free new world. 
then for 40 years, they are solely dependent on the provision of manna in the wilderness. Like a little infant, so dependent on nursing from its mother. They can do nothing on their own but just trust that God is going to provide for them every day. Here they learn to trust the Lord. Then like young children, the Israelites, they need to learn some basic family rules so they get the law given by Moses that we heard last week. Then in the book of Joshua, if you've been reading along, you hear that Israel encounters some turbulence. This might be those preteen, early teen years. They face some turbulent physical battles which lead them finally into the promised land. They do succeed, and they enter the promised land. All this time, Israel has had a part to play to trust and obey the Lord, but the success and victory all along has come from God, their provider. But now here's Israel, finally in the promised land. They're experiencing new freedom, new success that they have never known before. Imagine a 16-year-old who just got her license and a car. And she's like, look at this, all this freedom, all this success. There could be a temptation. I was there as a 16-year-old. I'm going to tell you about it. But there is this temptation to say, look at where I am. Look at how great I am. Look at all that I have done for myself. She could be tempted to spurn her parents, to forget that everything she is here today is mostly all because of what mom and dad have done for her in the past. Has anyone been there as a teenager, as a parent? I was there for probably way too long in my teenage years. I remember whenever I had some form of success, like did well on a test or maybe in a sport, like getting all arrogant and thinking, look at me, look what I did. But now that I'm a parent, I, I look back and am um, humbled and realize the true greatness was, was totally just in my parents. It was, it was my parents who, who taught me to read, who drove me to practices, who, not to mention, fed and clothed me my in, entire life. And then there's that, that phase of, you know, like changing diapers and teaching them to use the potty. Definitely would not be where I am today without potty training, right? Yes. There's the fact that my mother grew me inside of her belly. You can't see. It's that they, they grow in here. And, and then they push you out into the world, which is no small feat. So thank you, mother. Looking back, I can see that most of everything of where I was, the success and freedoms I was experiencing, it was so much the direct result of the love and faithfulness of my parents. They weren't perfect, of course, but they did all that they could to look out for my well-being, to get me to where I was at that point. Even when I wasn't very cooperative, even when I made things really difficult for them, they stayed devoted to me. And that's how I got to where I was. Friends, that type of parental love that you have experienced as a child or that you have shown to your children, it is just a dim, like very, very dim reflection of the love and the devotion that the Lord has for you. 
The God of the covenant is so fiercely devoted to your well-being that we can't even fathom it. The Lord has shown it over and over through his history with Israel, shown in the history of our lives. If you just take time to remember, it is the Lord who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Anything good you have ever experienced in your life, that is from God. Praise be to God. It is God who deserves all the greatness. This lesson, this lesson of looking back and remembering, it was so important for Israel at this particular point in their journey. For here they are experiencing their first success and freedom in the promised land, and they could be tempted like all of us are to think, look at what I've done. Aren't I so great? And they could be tempted to spurn the Lord, to turn to their own ways and think, all right, thanks, but now we'll just do it on our own from here on out. Thank you very much. And they can be tempted to just follow their own desires, their own ambitions. They could be tempted to forget the Lord. Like the prodigal son, the story that Jesus tells years later, like the prodigal son who spurned his loving, faithful father to go in search of fulfillment elsewhere. That was the Israelites' temptation. That is our temptation. Now, Israel, at this point, if they were to forget the Father's faithfulness, they would be tempted, no doubt about it, to serve other gods. We want a certain crop, they might think, so let's turn to the Egyptian god of the harvest. That sounds like a good idea. Or we want military victory, so there's this great ancient god of the war. Let's go to him. We want more wealth. Let's bow down to the God of prosperity. You see, the ancient world was filled with gods who promised quick results to your desires. Whatever you want, follow the protocol of this God, and they will give it to you as you want it. Just give them the sacrifices and the offerings they suggest, and they promise to produce. These ancient gods, they might sound ridiculous to us today, but folks, let's be honest. False gods are not just a thing of the past, are they? False gods are alive and active everywhere you turn, and every single day they whisper to us, sacrifice to me and I will give you what you want. If we want to feel significant, and all of us do, there is a God of worldly success who promises to give you fame and fortune if only you sacrifice your life on the altar of work. The God whispers, forget your faith, forget your family, your church, your community, your own well-being. Instead, work far more hours than are necessary. Do everything you can to impress everyone while ignoring those closest to you. And I promise to give you fame in the eyes of the world. Then you'll be significant. Perhaps you want to feel secure. All of us do. The God of wealth whispers, accumulate more and more for yourself. 
If you own more and bigger and better things, more clothes, a fancier car, a bigger house, an overstuffed bank account, these things, I promise, will give you the security you desire. Perhaps you long to feel accepted by others. Well, there's a God of self-comfort in the world who whispers, don't take any risks. Never risk using your talents or passions in ways that could draw attention, in ways that might bring you criticism or rejection of any kind. Just stay quiet in the background, go along with whatever everyone else is doing, then you'll be safe and accepted. Have these gods of the world ever whispered to you? Have they ever tempted you, sacrifice to me your time, sacrifice to me your treasure, your talents, and I promise to give you what you want? Well, here's the thing Joshua knows, and he wants us to know. Folks, the gods of the world never deliver. They're called false gods for a reason, because they never deliver. Talk to any person on their deathbed who has followed such false gods, and all you're going to hear is regret. You'll hear laments like, I wish I had spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I had given more to those in need. I wish I had taken more risks to serve God with my talents. In Joshua 24, we have the words of a man who is about to die. Joshua, nearing his final breath, has one last word of wisdom for his people and for us. His last words of wisdom are choose this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Throughout his life, Joshua, like so many others, had come to learn the crucial lesson. You can only serve one God. Whether we admit it or not, we all serve something or someone, so choose who it's going to be. It's just the way we were made. We were made to worship. Whatever we worship, we serve. You're going to worship and serve something. So choose this day whom you will serve. Because whatever you choose, that is what's going to shape your entire life. If you choose the worldly God of wealth, your whole life is going to be consumed with acquiring more. If your God is self-preservation and comfort, your whole life is going to be consumed with making your life easier. If your God is worldly success, your whole life will be consumed with trying to impress others. If your God is the Lord, then your whole life will be consumed with knowing and loving the God who first loved you. So choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua tells us.
Choose what or whom you want shaping your entire life. This isn't a half-hearted thing. You can't pick one God on Sunday morning, then one on Monday morning, and then one on Friday night. That's not the way we're made. Our hearts can only attach to one God, so choose this day which one you're going to serve. And Joshua pleads with us. He loves his people. He pleads with them, and he pleads with us, make that God the Lord. For the Lord is the only true God. He is the only God who can be trusted, the only God who has your best interest in mind. He's the only God who actually delivers on what you need. Just look at the history. Look at God's faithfulness. Look at all that God has done for us, all that God has done for you. Just look. Look at how reliable God is. Look at the evidence and see that God loves you. That God is going to care for you. That God can be trusted. So please, Joshua pleads with them. Revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away all those other gods that are just going to lead you to destruction. Serve the Lord only. So here's your challenge for this week. If you have a pen, this could be a good time to pull that out, and we have just a couple quick questions for you to ponder this week. So the challenge is following the model of Joshua 24. I want you to sit this down this week and reflect. Actually give time to this. Take some time to sit down and reflect. And the question is, what has God done for you? What has God done for you? I'm not just talking about that day or that past week, but over the long haul. Just as Joshua looked at the long history of Israel, look at the long history of your life. What has God done for you? Look at the long history in your family's life, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. How has God been faithful to them to bring you to the point where you are today? And what has God done in the history of this church? This church has a long, beautiful history that reflects God's faithfulness. Many of you know it much more deeply than we do because you've been here the whole time, and it was your ancestors who founded it. So reflect back and share the stories. What has God done in faithfulness here for this body of Christ? Let us remember, let us give thanks for God's love and faithfulness toward us. And then, here's the second part. We reflect, and then we recommit. After reflecting, then we are prepared to adequately make a choice. So after we've reflected on God's faithfulness, then we have a choice to make. Then, comes the question, 
Choose this day whom you will serve. For many of us, reflecting on God's faithfulness is probably going to bring us to some type of recommitment to the Lord. Just as Joshua and the Israelites recommitted themselves to the Lord in Joshua 24. So pay attention. Pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is going to nudge you to recommit your life, your time, your talents, your treasures that you might be laying on the altars of false gods. How might you recommit those to the true God of your life? The Holy Spirit's going to nudge you in different ways, so be open. But maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you to recommit to tithing, giving 10% of the money that God has first given you as a way of detaching your heart from false idols and recommitting to where that came from. Maybe the Holy Spirit might nudge you to recommit to daily Bible reading plan, to detach you from your endless entertainment or social media, those gods, and finding true comfort in the word of God instead. Maybe the Holy Spirit will nudge you to serve on a ministry team or community organization to offer your talents in ways that are participating in God's life in the world. Maybe God will nudge you to say no to some things so that you can be with your family whom God has called you to serve. I don't know what it will be for you, but I encourage you this week to give time to be open, to listen, and then to respond. Don't let these just be words that are hanging on your wall or floating around in your mind. May they be words that we live and enact. Choose this day whom you will serve. And as we make this choice, brothers and sisters, remember This is so key. This is how we started. It's how we're going to end this morning. Remember, remember, remember. We don't make this choice to earn God's approval or God's love. We do this because God loves us. We do this because God has our best interest in mind. And we do this because serving the Lord is the pathway to life in God's kingdom. The life that we desperately long for. The life of peace and flourishing is a life lived under the Lord. So choose this day whom you will serve. I pray that all of us, like Joshua, will have the courage to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We cannot say enough to thank you for your faithfulness to us. For the ways that you have acted on our behalf, even when we have turned from you or disobeyed you. For the ways that you have offered us life and peace, life in your kingdom. We pray that you would give us the courage to serve you with our whole hearts, our whole lives, trusting that that is the way of life and peace under your lordship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.